Before Jane and I moved here to Colorado Springs four years ago, we had lived for over 20 years in a place that I think could accurately be described as Mayberry. You know, the fictitious town, that innocent, safe place to live in the TV series The Andy Griffith Show. Not that Eagle, Colorado had no crime, but it definitely was a safe place to live. Most people, it seems, including us, seldom locked our doors. You wouldn't think twice about leaving the house, going grocery shopping, going for a walk, and leaving the house wide open. Same thing with cars. People just left their cars with the windows down, doors unlocked. In fact, I had one neighbor who not only left his pickup truck unlocked all the time, he left the keys in it, thinking, well, the neighbors might need to borrow it sometime. You didn't have to ask permission. If you needed it, help yourself. And then we moved to Colorado Springs. And then I'm not saying Colorado Springs is a dangerous place to live, but it's not Mayberry, is it? We quickly learned you don't leave the house unlocked. As soon as you walk out the door, you're double-checking all the doors, make sure they're locked. Cars, even if they're just sitting in your driveway in broad daylight for a few hours, you're foolish to leave them unlocked as well. You certainly wouldn't leave the keys in your pickup truck all the time with the doors unlocked, would you? This morning, as we conclude our Advent preparations to celebrate Christ's coming, and as we conclude our look at that Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, this fourth stanza also sings about something needing to be locked and a key being needed to open it up. But this hymn is not about cars or houses being locked. Actually, this fourth stanza is about heaven being locked, but not locked forever. This stanza is really about the key, the key to open heaven we hear about that key, and this stanza is based on the book of Isaiah once again. Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. The prophet writes, I will place on his shoulders the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. This verse of the Bible is one of only two places in the entire Bible that speak of that, that key of David or key to the house of David. In, in the immediate context of this verse, the prophet was writing about a, a corrupt official in the palace, in the court of King Hezekiah. His name was Shebna, who symbolically held the key to the house of David. In other words, he had authority over that house, over that palace, over that kingdom, but he was corrupt and God said he was going to take that key, that authority away from him and give it to a, a more faithful servant of Hezekiah by the name of Eliakim. Now, if that were the only place in the Bible that spoke of this key of David, we'd have a hard time seeing a connection between that and, and, and Jesus, the coming Messiah. But actually, we read about that key of David in another place. In the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, where St. John uses that same term and actually quotes verbatim, word for word, what we just heard in, in 
Isaiah chapter 22, only he says, the one holding the key to the house of David is Christ, the promised Messiah. Jesus is the one who holds the key to David. It's, it's clear that that picture of Eliakim, the faithful servant of Hezekiah, was just a, a type or a picture of Christ who holds the key. The key to the house of David. The key of David. So that raises another question. What's that supposed to mean? What is the house of David? Well, the house of David wasn't referring only to the dynasty, the line of David. It also referred to his palace, his kingdom, the city where the palace is located, Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, or its alternate name, Zion, is something you find consistently in the Bible, Old and New Testament, especially in the book of Revelation, as another word for heaven. It's a picture of heaven. So he says that heaven needs a key to open it. But that probably raises an yet another question in our minds. Why would heaven need to be locked up? Well, ask yourself, why do you lock the doors to your house or your car? We do that to keep people out who don't belong in there. Especially thieves, robbers. They have no business being in our homes. They have no place getting into our cars. They have no right to be there. And so we take measures, whatever we can do, to keep them out. And that's exactly why the gate to heaven was locked. To keep out those who didn't belong there. Those who were unworthy to be in there. So who would that be? To get the answer to that question, we go back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, where we read how God's creation of people, Adam and Eve, created in his own image, holy and perfect, who had access to all of God's paradise, deliberately sinned against their creator. And in so doing, they disqualified themselves from having the right to be in paradise. They were evicted from the garden and God essentially locked the door behind them. Only much stronger than a deadbolt, he used an angel with a flashing sword to keep them out of paradise. Sinners have no business being in the presence of the holy God. Sinners do not have the right to be in his paradise. That was true of Adam and Eve. And very sadly, it's true of every single descendant of Adam and Eve, save one named Jesus. Sin means, essentially, we've locked ourselves out of heaven. I remember when I was... 16, the summer after I turned 16 years old and I had just gotten my driver's license, being excited because I was going to drive to the dentist. Now, normally going to the dentist would not make me excited, but I was excited because it was going to be the first time I ever drove a car by myself with no one else in it. And the car that I was given permission to take to the dentist happened to be my grandma's 10-year-old Rambler that she had just given to my oldest brother. 
So I was so happy I could drive the car by myself, even though I was a 10-year-old rambler. I parked it, went to the dentist, and then I realized I locked the keys in the car. And I was so angry and so embarrassed. I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to embarrass myself further. So what do I do? Well, remember, it's a, it's a 69 Rambler. They're not hard to break into. Borrowed a coat hanger from the dentist, and I think it took me all of, what, one or two minutes, and bingo, I had unlocked the door. Problem solved. Doesn't work that way with heaven. We locked ourselves out of heaven. The entire human race has locked itself out of heaven by our sins. We have disqualified ourselves from the privilege of being in the presence of God in his eternal paradise. And you can't break in. No matter how hard you try, you cannot break in. Our, our pathetic attempts at avoiding sin and resisting temptation, our infrequent attempts at doing good are not enough. Not even close. The door to heaven is locked tight. It's locked up because of sin. It is locked up to those who sin. But God forever be praised. He didn't throw the key away when he locked the door. In fact, he gave us the key. He sent that key down from heaven wrapped in human flesh, clothed in swaddling clothes in the form of his son Jesus. Jesus not only holds the key to David, he is the key of David. He is the key who opened up the door to heaven. He did it by getting rid of our sins. Sin locks the gate. Jesus took away our sins with his life, with his death, with his blood. From the cross, he announced, it is finished, signaling the gate to heaven is flung wide open. There are many people in this world who imagine that there are a lot of different keys to heaven that's been duplicated and passed around for, for, for multiple years. And so therefore, basically, every religion has its own key to get into heaven. Just take your pick. Whichever religion you pick, well, there's your key. How wrong they are. There's just one key. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Keys don't just unlock and open, they lock. And that's what the prophet means when he says in our reading this morning, what he shuts, no one can open. Those who reject Christ, the key of David, through unbelief and unrepentance, have no entrance into heaven. It's locked tight. On the last day, no matter how much pleading and pounding, they will not be admitted into the eternal banquet of heaven. But for those who, by and only by the grace of God, believe and trust and love 
this key of David. The gates are wide open. As Isaiah wrote, what he opens, no one can shut. Think of what that means for us. Think of what that means for you right now. Think of what that means for you every day. We go through life knowing the door to heaven is wide open. No matter what we go through, no matter what our doubts and worries and fears and pain and pandemic and whatever else comes our way, heaven is open and no one can shut it to you. Christ, the key of David, has opened it wide with his life and his blood and it will not be closed to you, no matter what. If this is the last day we spend on this earth, we know where we're going. If our last time doesn't come for a long, long time, we go through life knowing what is waiting for us. Our sins that separated us from our God and closed the gate and locked it behind us, those sins are gone and the gates open. The key of David has come. He has opened wide our heavenly home. The path that leads there has been made safe. The path that leads to the misery of hell has been closed and locked forever to us. Rejoice. Emmanuel has come. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.